0: So there's different reasons, but because of the pandemic and because of this interesting time, either way the election swings, I still, they're, still believe they're gonna create massive opportunity, but for different reasons.
1: So the question is this, how do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents in our industry hoard themselves, grow and prosper in today's real estate market? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Erin Muchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hi, real estate rock stars! This is Aaron Demushesfegi, and I am so excited to share with you our newest head podcast sponsor. You know, and this is a company called Rent Ready. Rent Ready is a landlord-tenant software that has everything you need to manage your rentals from your phone or your computer. No need to be tech savvy, download multiple programs, or hire a specialist. Rent Ready is easy to use for everyone. And if you do have a question, their customer support team is available to make sure managing your properties doesn't have to be harder than it already is. RentReady has a feature for every step of the landlord process. You can list your vacancy for free to Realtor.com and doorsteps, find quality tenants with a full tenant screening process, send and e-sign leases right from the app, and track maintenance requests. Yes, there really is one app for all of that. Best of all, not only is RentReady easy to use with awesome customer service, but it's affordable as well. Get a subscription to RentReady for as little as $1 a year when you sign up for their annual plan using code rockstar that now that's crazy a dollar a year why wouldn't you go sign up just to see even if you've got one tenant or want to try it with one of them so that's right you get a whole year of rent ready for just one dollar when you sign up at rentready.com it's spelled rentred com using code rockstar Real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Amuchastegui, and hey, I am back. The last couple of weeks, you guys have heard uh, from some of our old real estate rock star kind of classic episodes. You've had Paul Morris on here being a guest host. You know, I have been traveling over the last six weeks, and now I am back, and we are getting live. And as we get to as we get going with this one, this one is recording just a couple of days before it's getting released. So I'm really excited about who I get to talk to today and the different things we're going to be talking about. This is going to be kind of a hybrid between a, what to do in real estate, a state of the market. And also maybe kind of an election policy update type stuff. So the I am Aaron Muchastega with Real Estate Rockstars. Today I get to interview Ari Rastigar, founder and CEO of Rastigar Properties in Austin, Texas. Ari is doing so many things within his business, you know, commercial, residential, developments, things like that. And we're going to talk about a whole bunch of fun stuff today. Ari, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. Man. We love we love the show. We're happy to be here. Awesome. So the why don't you give everybody just a quick little update of what Rastigar Properties is the you know what are the projects that you're working on just so we get some sure. depth for you know the info you're going to be giving us.
0: Yeah, sure. So you know we've been in 38 cities, 12 states, seven different asset classes. Our investors are public pension funds, family offices, insurance companies, high net worth individuals. Uh, we've been really asset class agnostic. You know for most of the firm's history, um, I own 100% of the company. I you know literally delivered pizzas uh, through uh, through college and you know used my student loan money in uh, in in law law school to kind of start the firm. And, um, you know, it's very much a family business. My wife, wife works in the company. My sister-in-law is our chief operating officer. You know, the core of our business now, We although we've been in the other asset classes, is here based in Austin, Texas. We have a high-rise site on McKinney Avenue in Dallas, a high-rise site in, in Phoenix. But our focus is really in the Sunbelt. That's really kind of, you know, where our expertise lies and where we see really the, the future. Um, our core competency is vintage multifamily, um, just buying, 30-year-old, 40-year-old vintage products outside the urban core. Um, One of the projects I'm most excited about that's that's new to us, so we have some great partners that are helping us execute, is a 200-acre parcel in Kyle, Texas, which is about 15 miles south of Austin on the I-35 corridor, if anybody's familiar with that, where we're building, you know, 660 houses in this first kind of phase, 300 multi-units in response to, you know, what's really going on with COVID, right? And so, you know, as we talk about this thing and, you know, agents are looking and seeing, you know, home prices, you know, surging outside of the urban core because COVID is kind of, you know, force people out the urban core for really proximity issues and so you're seeing houses housing prices really really surge more than they have in many years before because people don't feel as comfortable in the urban core I don't think that's permanent but you know it, being in all these different asset classes and you know building industrial we have a 50 acre site next to uh, very close to where Tesla is in Austin you know we're, we're seeing a lot of these trends that had already started because of covid whether it's the exodus out of California you know into Texas. The exodus from New York into, you know, kind of the Florida areas, but COVID has thrown an accelerant, you know, on a lot of these trends that were already happening. And I think there's just such a tremendous opportunity right now for anybody that's in this business, you know, that'll do the work, right? Edison, you know, had a funny quote that people miss opportunity because opportunity shows up in overalls. And, yeah. you know, and, you know, this is one of those moments where, you know, if, if you're willing to do the work and kind of slug through mud, there's just such a tremendous opportunity to be able to, you know, create a lot of value, make good money, whether it's for your investors or whether it's to, you know, serve your clients on the, on the investment sales side. Um, but it's, it's really you know, people talk enough about the doom and gloom. Like, I actually think this is a pretty unbelievable uh, generational opportunity. But yeah, you know, that's, uh, that's, kind, of a, that's kind of the long and short of it.
1: And I, I like the, uh, the throwing accelerant on the trends right? Like, cause we've seen it, we've seen it in real estate. We've seen people making choices faster that were coming, you know, the exodus from California. There were a lot of people that because of different laws that were coming, were like, Oh, eventually we need to start thinking about this. And then it's speeding up, you know, people in the cities thinking, Hey, I would like some more stuff. And now this is speeding up. And then technology wise, we've heard so many people say that we've excelled, you know, 10 years in six months, you know, Airbnb, they, they just, you know, they interviewed the CEO recently. He said, I didn't realize I was gonna have to make you know 20 years of decisions in like six weeks right they thought they were they thought they were going under they thought they were out of business and now they're going to go public you know it's like seeing the different trends that people have seen and the you know and, and similar for us I've shared I've shared the story I've got a you know a big house in California that the when this was all starting everybody canceled all the Airbnb bookings we were thinking oh no that you know that, that asset is gone and then as soon as like summer started to hit we had people instead of people coming for big parties and company retreats and things like that. We had people from San Francisco just wanting to go up, you know, drive two hours out of San Francisco instead. So as we talk about those, that Exodus stuff, it's really interesting to see. Rockstar Nation. This is Aaron Amuchastegui. Hey, I hate to interrupt the current podcast that you're listening to, but I am so excited to share this with you. I just finished interviewing the original host of this podcast, my good friend, Pat Hyven. Yeah, I got to talk to Pat about how he started his real estate career and a whole bunch of tips and tactics that he used to be successful. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go check out State of the Market number 49 on there. I get to talk to Pat about all those different things. you know. And in there too, he talked a lot about his six steps for seven figures book and training program that he built over the last couple of years. And I realized I haven't done a good enough job of reminding all of you lately about all of the resources that we've built for you out there. So, if you want to check out Pat's course, we've got like a three minute summary video when you go to it. It includes so many easy to follow tips that you can follow on it like a day to day basis. You can email reminders, all sorts of different things that come with that course. If you find that you go to rebusuniversity.com, R E B U S, rebusuniversity.com. Look at courses, you can find the six steps for seven figures book. And really there's a whole bunch of other courses in there too. Our normal prices used to be $1,500 or $2,000 a course. These are real deal professional courses. But now uh, during quarantine, a lot of them are priced down to like 90 bucks, 95 bucks. So we've slashed the prices. So we know right now is a time for everybody to be focusing on growth and education, especially while they're feeling like they don't have as much to do. And if you go in there and you figure, like, like there's a lot of different courses you want, maybe you don't want to buy the a la carte. You can go to futureofrealestatetraining.com and you can get access to all of our different courses for 97 bucks a month. I think there's a discount on there if you go a year or there's even like a lifetime option that you can pay. And you get access to every course we ever put on Rebus University for as long as we have it. So go check out those options, Rebus University or futureofrealestatetraining.com. All right, back to your podcast. Sorry for the interruption. into your story just a little bit. So what was your first asset class you got into? So now you're in seven, but like, so the, the entry level.
0: I was in seven. We actually did a bunch of retail, but I mean, we kind of touched it all. We actually sold a bunch of those assets, um, you know, and we did a lot of self-storage. We did student housing. We did some uh, industrial redevelopment um, office. You know, we were, we were very kind of opportunistic in our, in our strategies and we exited them actually did really well in discount retail that had You know, the Targets, the Rosses, TJ Maxx, you know, many years ago, we sold those assets out back in 2016, Um, you know, as Amazon started to kind of take over the world. But I still find it a little bit ironic that Amazon's largest acquisition to date is Whole Foods for $13.2 billion, which is a brick and mortar location. So I still find that to be a little bit funny, you know, being that they're the, you know, e-commerce juggernaut. uh, But, you know, kind of dovetailing to your question, my first uh, entree into real estate was building a little single family home on basically on Canyon Lake while I was in law school. Okay. So it was a $80,000 interim construction loan. And, you know, I partnered with the local developer, used my scholarship money to buy the lot, uh, borrowed a little bit of money from uh, from a friend of mine's father and um, got to work. You know, it was on the build side in the morning building pouring concrete and driving you know 20 30 miles to, to make it to law school classes i wasn't a very good law student but i did graduate take the bar and otherwise my father would have killed me but um that was you know that was kind of how i started and uh we built we built houses we did well and then uh, 2008 happened and uh yeah. I, I was lucky to, to keep my hat and keep good credit and uh move on to the next thing and went to wall street and spent some time on wall street before coming back down to austin
1: yeah the uh, I and mean, that was the other big opportunity right like two thousand and eight two thousand nine became wow. the, you know so many crazy stories out of there. That was when we bought our first house on the courthouse steps in 2009. The, and we were just trying to find all these different options, right? And it was it was blood in the streets. My wife was working nights as a waitress at the casino and I was struggling. We were a failed home builder. We bought that first courthouse step. You know, Fast forward over the next couple of years, we bought a thousand courthouse step things. And it, and so that was like the big opportunity, right? And so- when, This is people, different it,
0: though, right? But right now it's different. It's a little different than that though, right? oh, it's a totally different market,
1: right? But the mindset of going, hey, the world is is crushing, collapsing, like finding the opportunity in what's out there. Right? right? Like you're seeing there's so many opportunities now. And, and as you said, I don't think the opportunity is necessarily going to be, well, maybe you're going to tell me different in the downtown core and things like that. But so re- you mentioned retail really quick. Sure. Right now, that's what we're seeing so many foreclosures in Texas. And it's really like the only foreclosures we're seeing go through in Texas because of the moratorium is commercial and retail. We're seeing a lot of strip malls and things like right. that. What do you think is going to happen? What's, what's the op- Is there an opportunity there? Is it a sit and wait for a while? What's, what's your forecast
0: on retail? So from an Austin standpoint, so I kind of like, I have to bifurcate this response. Um, You know, I really believed in this a K-shaped recovery to, you know, and I guess that's a fancy way, a a jargoning way of saying some asset classes are going to recover quicker than others, right? And, you know, like you look at hospitality as an example, you know, people are going to go back to hotels. You know, people are going to travel again. We're going to have a vaccine. We'll get there. You know, retail needs to be reinvented. And what happened when we call the retail apocalypse, right? It was really an overcorrection. And if you look at millennials, you know, right, I'm actually the oldest millennial, which is kind of a, you know, I'm literally the, of the cutoff. Okay. The core values are different. Okay. There is a desire for experience to, to be out of the house, to be doing things right. And so as a father, you know, a father of three, my wife and I are really sad that Toys R Us doesn't exist, not because yeah. we can't buy a toys on online, but because it's something we did as a family, right? You go to Toys R Us, you walk the aisles, and it's this fun thing you can kind of do. And people are starting to realize that as some of as the retail has gone and closed in all those areas, which it absolutely has, people are really missing it. And there are certain bars or restaurants, and as those things closing, we're realizing that there's actually a pent up demand for the right type of real estate. I'll give you uh, that right type of retail. So I'll give you a funny example: Louis Vuitton. Okay. Just spent, I want to say, twenty million dollars to exit their location on Madison Avenue. Okay, so LVMH, LV, LVMH said, okay, we're going to go Enjibanchi. Said we're going to pay, you know, the, the landlord. It's owned by a very, very wealthy man, you know, in, in New York. His name's Jeff Sutton. He's brilliant. You know, a huge breakup fee to leave Madison Avenue. That's a, a systemic shift. But what was interesting is up until the pandemic only 10% of Louis Vuitton's product was sold online. Now, 100% of it is sold online, okay? Yeah. So you're having a shift in luxury goods that we thought all luxury goods should be done online. So it's shifting more and they're seeing the sales happen, but we're kind of missing this experience on the on the other side of it. So I believe that there's going to be a reinvention of what retail is. There was probably too much, some like survival of the fittest, some things are just going to have to go that aren't just thriving business. And, and that's capitalism and that's survival of the fittest. And I'm a big believer in, you know, I'm kind of, you know, people ask me if I'm a Republican or a Democrat. And, you know, I kind of just say I'm an American, you know, like I see, yeah. you know, I, I don't I, want to I say see... what you
1: are right now. Anyway, people it, are so... It, 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 it,
0: it, it's not even that. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk a little bit about that, about the implications of the election, because I know a lot of people are thinking about that and you know kind of what that means. But I actually believe that retail is going to make a pretty interesting resurgence, but it's going to be different. Like, for example, some of the big shopping malls you know, that we used to, we grew up going to, that's not coming back. Okay. Not, not in that way. So those sites though, are prime real estate. So you can bulldoze them, rezone them, build multifamily potentially as some sort of mixed use component, office, right? Some of the big boxes that are at, that are in these, like Sears is is a great example. So Sears, let's say the Sears goes bankrupt in a big shopping center. You can convert that into self-storage. Yeah. Okay. And so, and so someone so it's going to change, but it's not going to go away. Okay. People want to go to restaurants. They want to go to bars. They want to go to live music thing. They want to be, so we're tribal beings, you know, like, and this is the whole thing into the work from home. Coca-Cola started this work from home thing 10 years ago. And the new CEO took over. He let a lot of people in certain sectors work from home. Okay. So longer term people are like, Oh, people are going to work from home. work from home. I don't think that's true. I think that the power of human interaction, the power of connection, of being together, whiteboarding, talking, it creates something greater than the sum of its parts, breaking bread together, going to lunch and having these interactions. But there's certain sectors that if you're a coder and you're not having any interaction with clients per se, and you're not in the sales or marketing or those departments, sure, there's going to be certain sectors that'll have more work from home, but office will begin to come back in a very meaningful way. We also have more entrepreneurs and more startups right now than we ever had in the history of the United States, which I love to see. And that shows the innovation that's happening. So during this type of pandemic, we saw during World War II, out of necessity, we innovated. And that's what's going to happen to retail. It's going to innovate. It's going to iterate. It's going to change into something different. There might not be 20 bars, but there's going to be six or seven awesome bars. Or there might not be 20 clothing stores, but trust me, Lululemon is still going to have their spot there, right? And so it's going to be about finding out where is the experience. So if you can create an experience with retail, whether that's restaurants or that's shopping, that is what I believe will be the future of retail is, is some kind of activity that is incorporated into, you know, what that actually is. But there's certain markets that that's going to thrive more in. Right. And so if, if you look at, you know, business friendly states like Texas, like, you know, like Florida, OK, like Arizona. You know, cities that, ha- that are business friendly, that have a younger culture, like a Nashville that has a great music scene, you're going to see retail and things like that begin to recover much quicker and be vibrant in those types of environments, okay? But where retail pricing is extremely expensive in San Francisco and New York, um, I was joking the other day on Yahoo Finance that, you know, New York and California are the land of the flea and Texas is the land of the free, Okay. So in areas that you have the ability to do that, I believe that it's going to recover and it's actually going to be much more interesting, much more innovative. um, And I'm excited to see
1: what that iteration is going to look like. I, I love the point of the people are missing some of that experience and maybe they don't even realize it. Right. The I mean they feel something's missing,
0: right? It's kinda like I'm I'm at home or I'm at like what like and it's and it's kind of the thing. The other side of it is, which I thought was wildly ironic, is that the CEO of Zoom said he's sick of Zoom meetings. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right, it, it's and so it I think we kind of all are, but genius. I mean, it's done a great thing. I'm not entirely sure why Skype didn't fill that void. That's another discussion. It's almost like Skype became MySpace, and a lot of the listeners might be too young to, you know, remember, you know, MySpace per se. But I'm not entirely sure why Skype didn't take over. That might be a different podcast. But yeah, but yes. these are all going to recover. All of these things are going to recover. We have population growth, but it's about the macro play of what cities. So if I'm an agent right now, as an example. I'm looking at Phoenix, Arizona, the sprawl Metroplex. I'm looking at Dallas, Texas. I'm certainly in Austin. I'm in Raleigh, Durham. I'm in Charlotte. I'm in Orlando. I'm in Tampa. I'm in cities that have strong technology hubs. I'm looking at the suburban core, okay? And watching the suburban areas thriving, okay? I'm looking more at single family home investment than I I ever would be. And talking to people leaving California, buying in Texas, selling their house for a couple million bucks as you mentioned, and buying the same equivalent size location for five hundred thousand dollars, right? Yeah, you know, and 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 watching that 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 population migration trend, okay. And if we look at the election, if you look at you know, there, there's a lot of reasons that I'm still, you know, I look we're in, we've been in the longest bull market in history. We all know that, okay. Yeah, if Biden wins from a real estate vantage point, there's a lot of things that would create a lot of opportunity, okay? Some of them is distress, okay? Which is a good thing. The market's coming down, people look at as, oh, the market's coming down so bad. We live in a cyclical economy. This is a cyclical economy. So when you have a Fed, right, without getting too much into the weeds, you know, this is how the debt cycle works. Like you go in, you have a bull market, it comes down and there's an old saying on Wall Street that bulls make money, bears make money, Pigs get slaughtered, Yeah. okay? So the market coming down, or maybe, you know, some of the things that Biden talks about could create huge distress opportunity. Great buying great real estate at a fraction of intrinsic value that will grow over time and certain things, which is is fantastic. There's a lot of arguments to be made. The market kind of needs to come down. Tech stocks are trading at P multiples that are a little bit scary, okay? Trump being a real estate guy, if he wins, okay? You know, opportunity zones will stay intact as we see them. Probably you'll have your, you know, um, long term capital gain taxes, you know, kind of stay where they, right? So there's different reasons, but because of the pandemic and because of this interesting time, either way the election swings, I still, they're, still believe they're going to create massive opportunity, but for
1: different reasons. Yeah. The, you know, as we, I, I like that idea of, of you know, people get so stressed out about, about what's going on right now. I mean, it, people say we're more polarized now than we've ever been. But I think every, I remember every election year for like the past, you know, 15, 20 years, January would hit an election accelerate. year and the news would it's totally all, change.
0: It's all an accelerate, right? Everything is sensationalized. Everyone is so... Look, there's been an emotional psychological trauma that this has caused. Is that
1: fair to say? <laughs> yeah, I think it is fair to say. It is, it, it, there is trauma just from the there news. There's right trauma.
0: Now. I mean, there's actual, you know, look, I'm not a psychologist or, you know, but, but look, just having my kids at home that they can't go outside as much and hang out with their friends Right. Yeah. You know, I was uh, social, right. Like there's something there. So even with the vaccine coming, you know, it's still going to take time for people. So when you're in a state of emotional trauma and you have anxiety of whatever it is, no matter what the issue is to your point of the election or your friend texts you something, you're kind of like already on the edge of your seat. So it's being accelerated jet fuels being thrown on it. So yes, it's become polarizing and I think right now is a very polarizing time certainly between Trump and Biden and you know the this division that that we're seeing but I also believe it's an accelerant and it's not truly as much on the merits as people are trying to make it. It's that everybody else is just very, very sensitive for good reason. I mean, you know, there was, this is the first pandemic that we've seen in modern, you know, in modern history, although we have had the Spanish flu, this is not the first time this was happened. Spanish flu was exponentially worse. You know, you have people literally coughing up blood and dying in the streets, literally, you know, and not to, minimize this a lot of people have really really you know suffered which is you know which is horrible and it, it's been devastating for many different reasons but long term this is the greatest country in the world when you look at the southern states that are business friendly we're having the best tech innovation i mean there is places to make money right now that there has never been before and people being entrepreneurial more than they've ever been which is pretty incredible
1: if you think about it Yeah, it really is interesting, too, because there we've talked before, like there's two different like recoveries or there's two different experiences that are happening right now in the world. Right. So the there's a lot of people that are saying, oh, with my kids working at home and we're and, and we're working from home now. We're getting so much more family experience and life is we're not spending all this time at Costco's anymore on Sundays. And I was talking to a guy that lives in Manhattan yesterday and the and he still lives in Manhattan. And, you know, and and I said, how's it going? And he said, well, I work at home now. My wife works at home now. Our kids are working from home now. And he's like, and it's, and it's really stressful. And we're really struggling because the best parts of the city are all closed. And so we have this tiny little place to What's live. What's happening
0: in Manhattan, honestly, is I lived in Manhattan for many, many years. And I, I love New York City. It is devastating what's going on in Manhattan. Honestly, what's going on in Soho? Some of the things there, I, and I don't look—I don't get too much into politics, or you know, it's not. Look, I think there's great points on both sides, as I mentioned before. There's you know some good here, some good there, you know whatever, but that city right now is devastated. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it is. I just think people need to remember
1: horrific
0: how bad it is, and New Yorkers, lifelong New Yorkers that I know. Have said to me that are in the very senior people in the real estate world, you know, that they don't think it'll ever recover. Think about that. Not to ever recover. That's scary. And when Mary, Mary de Blasio is talking about making Soho the affordable housing, homeless
1: epicenter of New York City. But right. Will cities become the homeless epicenter? Right. Will that become the affordable housing? Because everything is. Can you imagine? Together? And by it, the way, that's, it's by the, the San way, Francisco that,
2: it's happening.
0: By the way, it's absolutely happening. And by, no question. I mean, you look at homelessness, you look at these other issues, you know, and, and that's that's another, you know, look and by the way, homelessness and things have an effect on real estate, whether people think about that or not, right? You you think Mm -hmm. twice if you're taking your kids, your wife out, and there's homeless that are in front of your building or, you know, whatever that looks like. And, you know, that's a whole other issue that, you know, we need to figure out a solution for it. Cause again, a lot of homelessness, what people don't talk about, which is very sad is the mental health around it again. Like it's not just homelessness. It's, you know, there's a lot of mental health issues that are, that are, that are tied into that, that need to be addressed. And that's a separate, you know, separate discussion, which is very sad. Um, but if those things aren't taken care of, they destroy cities like they did San Francisco. I mean, San Francisco, yeah. honestly, how cool of a city is San Francisco.
1: Hey, Real Estate Rockstars listeners, I'm sorry to interrupt again, but I want to do a quick commercial break. But this commercial break is different. This is stuff that I think you need. And this is me talking to you about some of the stuff that we had. So, you know, recently we had a lot of people reach out to us and say, Hey, why don't you do a real estate mastermind? Why don't you do something where a lot of the listeners can get together and do some zoom calls and ask each other questions and really just try to brainstorm and work together. I mean, there's a million masterminds out there. I don't know if this is something that we really want to do or not or if we do if we're going to limit it to maybe 20 or 30 people we're just trying to figure out if any of you guys are interested so if you have any interest at all in joining a mastermind with real estate agents around the country that are part of the real estate rock stars network go to hybendigital.com forward slash mastermind and just join the waitlist it's just a really a formal It's just an interest list for us to see is this something we want to be doing so that's that's number one number two you go to hybendigital.com forward slash foreclosures we have a two-day mark thing that we just finished recording now it's also inside rebus university and so you go to rebus university and look at it If you're already a member of rebus I'm, a lot of you guys are in the you know the monthly fee where you get access to everything so we have a new course in there 17 hours of content on how to buy foreclosures on how to find deals, on how to, you know, do title, you know, go to auction. Also turn that into clients for your real estate agents, how you can turn somebody that's in default behind on their mortgages into a client. So go, you know, check out that course, especially for, you know, you can, you can buy the course now, but again, most of you guys already subscribed to all that. I just wanted you to know there's another 17 hours of content. Great, great content that I just recorded on there. Uh, that all of you guys have access to now at Rebus University. And then finally, we have software that we talk about on and off. It's called Padhawk. And in Padhawk, you can use that to go find leads. What, uh, you know, so everyone is really, really busy right now. And we're so, so busy. People are selling and they're saying there isn't enough product on the market, right? So they they're, they can't find houses. Well, Padhawk will help you find houses before they're listed. It helps you find owners that should be listing their properties or people that might wanna get there. I recorded a quick video. It's like six or seven minutes long for you guys to look at, real estate agent specific on what how you can use the software in order to do it. So go to hybendigital.com forward slash leads. Again, there's a video in there. I talk about how you can use the software to do it. Check it out. If it's something that you like, you may wanna sign up for it. 99 bucks a month that's nationwide any city out there and it is a great way to find houses so right now people are saying there's lots of buyers but we can't find enough houses well maybe you can use this software you'll find some that hasn't listed yet and make them an offer on their house all right back to your regular scheduled program thank you for letting me interrupt you with that break My whole childhood, we every time we got to go into California, we wanted to go to San Francisco. We wanted course, to go to the pier. We wanted to go to the, hills, at those giant the buildings.
0: water, I mean, great food. I mean, all these things. And then they didn't deal with the homeless issue the way they should have. And I I honestly think, you know, ethically it should have been dealt with in a different way. You know, in in a better in a better way. Some cities, like Houston, as an example, have done a tremendous job with homelessness and dealing with it ethically, and is just just great. Uh, you sh- if you don't know much about what how they've dealt with it, you should look it up. It's it's worth reading, like what their plan was, because it's been so effective. It's un- it's unbelievable. But this is going to impact real estate in a major way, where people are like, Do I want to live in a shoebox anymore if I'm going to work from home, or do I want to be? But having all that proximity to your point of your friend in Manhattan, of the kids here around, just the simple you know, and you love your children, you love your wife, you love your husband, but that separation of us, the kids going to school, them socially interacting, getting that different simulation, wife, husband, going to work, doing something, coming back together. You know, there's a certain routine and a certain synergy and a harmony that creates that it doesn't matter who they are. If you're this close together in a little apartment and you're the best friends in the world, there's going to be friction.
1: Yeah, it is. It, it, it's wild to think about it, you know, and even, and maybe it's, there's an accelerant there too, cause that is a whole different topic that has very tough solutions to it. But the, you know, in in California, they've started to buy hotels, you know, from the owners because their their hotels are now struggling. And now it's a, now it's a new, it's a homeless center where, where homeless people get to live and the, and that's not necessarily a bad solution but the other part with it, such a tough complicated thing but I think COVID has probably thrown some accelerant on that too. Let's talk about, so we're, we're kind of now talking about that exodus, right? The city and the exodus and where there is. So most of the property, so we own a few hundred houses that are about, you know, an hour from Austin, right? So the, we've got them up in Killeen and South of Austin and great in the places where <laughs> they're really great right now because they're Growing very like crazy. Yeah. You still get a house for a hundred thousand dollars. You know, if and, you're trading. And,
0: and, and by the way, with huge population growth, huge upside potential, I think. It's brilliant markets and we're, we're super long on Kyle, which is a little bit closer, but yep. the premise is pretty much the same, right? And yep. we're building them to rent, quite frankly, and hold them, you know, longer term. And that makes all the sense of the world, but people weren't really thinking about that
1: kind of stuff before, right? I mean, this yeah, is a it more- was, it was like a dirt, you know, people didn't really like the market, right? You could still get a, it's funny if you sell a house in like Sacramento, California, and you want to move to Austin, Texas in the heart of Austin. You're not actually gonna get that much bigger house for your dollar anymore. The city of Austin, you know, well it's it, you know, it they're the same. But if you Absolutely. go 30 minutes outside of Austin. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing, right? It is amazing. You know, that, you I mean, know what, you know what I call that? What's that? Opportunity. Yeah. The, and it is the opportunities you get close. And now people are realizing, hey, if I still have to pay, if I sell my two million dollar California house, I want to live in Austin. I'm going to pay two million bucks, but I move thirty miles outside and I get a comparable property size for with a, few a, with a
0: yard, good school districts, and proximity. One of the coolest cities in America.
1: Yeah, you still get to go see the stuff. You so know what, what I call a thirty minute drive? What's that?
0: two phone calls
1: yeah a couple phone hey with the Tesla right the it's it's also like you can almost be emailing now too the uh, you know self a,
0: a little bit like you know a little bit uncomfortable but but ultimately I'm good with my hands free you know with my Bluetooth Two phone calls,
1: right? two phone calls. Well, the self-driving and all those different technologies and and things, and even Uber and things like that have made living 20 minutes outside the city totally tolerable and not a disadvantage anymore. Because when
0: you're in San Francisco or you're in New York, right, how many people their whole life commute from Long Island to Manhattan, take an hour and 15-minute train back and forth every day? Yeah. Millions of people, millions. And so driving 30 minutes – 20 minutes, 42 minutes, 18 minutes, like Nothing. to have that standard of living. It's unbelievable. I, I mean, if I is. was an agent today, if I was an agent today, okay, I would be going to the colleens of the world as you're explaining. And I would be putting my, you know, Right. I'd be going to Clean, Manor. I'd be going to Bastrop. I'd be going to all these little cities, like ansel Fredericksburg, Dripping Springs, you know, these your cities, you know, little city, quaint, cool little areas that mine aren't there. And I'd be putting my flag in the ground. Because inevitably, simply from property um, migration and all the you know reasons that you explained, those cities are going to be vibrant and be unbelievably valuable. If you look at the five to seven and the 10 year, and I, I urge everybody in this market though, as whether they're investors or agents is to play long ball. Okay. And you got, you, you have to build those relationships. It, it's, it, this is not an overnight market. Okay. In my, in my mind, although yeah. Austin house and things, and these markets are selling very quickly in Dallas as well, as you know, Phoenix and you know, it's moving, but if you can play long ball here, Right, Whether as an investor, whether building relationships as an agent and building up your clientele, I think the payoff is so much bigger than it is from traditional long ball, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. It's finding those places that are, you know, back in like 2009, 2010, Blackstone and the big investors that really went after the housing, they said, let's find houses that uh, we're just going to get them for less than replacement value. At that time, they just said, hey, we just need them for less than replacement value and it's going to work itself out. And it's, and as I see places, you know, 30 you minutes. Outside money these they course, made? It yes. was more, they, they shocked themselves. They shocked themselves. And that whole reasoning of like, that was long ball. Right, and, it, and they actually performed much faster than they thought they would because they created a whole different market. Isn't that funny? There's a big, they bought every house on the market, on foreclosure and on the market, and the market went up 40% instantly. So, they, so they, were, they were brilliant. But the biggest, the premise at the beginning of, hey, this is a deal, right? This is a deal. It is below replacement value. And when you start to look 30 minutes outside the urban cores. And so for people out there right now, this is a crazy housing market, right? Agents, half of our agents are like, hey, we're having the biggest year ever. And the other half of our agents that are listeners are really struggling because they can't figure out where those opportunities are. And when you start to look just a little bit outside the urban core, find the places that are affordable with a way to play long ball. I think that is one of the biggest opportunities. Let's talk- You oh, nailed it. I mean, that's—that that is the best
0: advice that, I mean, there's no way it could have been said more elegantly and more succinctly. That's exactly Indeed. right. And but, but I will say back to the Edison quote is this is not a time, this is not a lazy person's market. You're going to have to work twice as hard to get there, to get those results. So you got to hustle. Sorry to yeah. break it to everybody, but you know, yeah, you, you, you see what I'm saying? Like this absolutely. is absolutely, I mean, because you're walking through mud right? And, and you're walking through mud. It's, it's like financing rates are really low, but borrowing restrictions are higher. Some people want all cash. I think there's like, there, there's junk to kind of like sort through, right? But if you do, and you put in that work, put in that extra hour, put in that, I mean, it takes that hustler's mentality and you're going to see a big dichotomy as you pointed out. Because if you're hustling, I mean, this year is a banner year. If you're kind of hustling, you're on the bottom. And usually that wouldn't be the dichotomy. If you're not working as hard, you're still doing pretty good. That's not what this market yeah. is. It's either you're in there in a winner, and you're taking over or you're getting eaten
1: alive. I don't, think, I don't see there's much of a, of, of a middle there. 2010 was the same, right? The guys that had the REO listings and had the, the short sale listings or the guys that were buying the foreclosures, they were, it, was fe- it was feast or famine. So you've got these opposite ends of it. We're in this time in our life where it could be the opportunities of our life, uh, you know, maybe second opportunity in my lifetime right? That I've seen is really out there, but, this, but yes, this is, this is bigger than 08, by the way. Yeah. And this people need, and people need to push. I think it, yeah, the, and I had not thought about it being bigger, but these, but seeing that out there, let's talk multifamily for a minute. Cause that's one of your, yeah, that's kind of one of my core teams. competencies. Yeah. It's your core stuff. So I'm thinking, so downtown Austin, when COVID hit the people, you know, our friends were selling their high-end condos downtown. People said, now you don't have to work downtown anymore. Now you can work from home. Everybody is kind of fire selling, everything people are moving out of apartments because like the people said in manhattan prices didn't dip as much as they uh you know you're you're absolutely right in march and april we were everyone was terrified the but, in May, way, for
0: us in austin for prices to dip eight
1: percent that's a fire sale yes that's true but, right i mean and so an occupancy dropped in office five percent so what do you think is going to happen with so multifamily downtown compared to multi-family like three to there's a ton of, of uh so we own outside family. the
0: urban core that, that our strategy has always been you know so we own stuff in clarksville and those people that know austin that's right outside of you know right outside of downtown but outside the urban core um but still central austin has been our thesis mostly you know and that stuff we had record-breaking applicants we collected over 99 of our rents at the height of covid we bought I think we did seven transactions, five of which were multifamily during COVID, closed on them. Okay. Yeah. So, and they have all outperformed everything that we thought that they were going to do. But the fact of the matter is people are going to come back to the urban core. This is temporary. This is temporary. Okay. Our right?
1: rent okay. collections are higher than they've ever been. Right I'm, I'm with you. And Our so occupancy you this, is higher than it's ever been.
0: No question. And I think that's a proximity geographic issue based upon the way you're talking about it. Class A obviously took a little bit of a hit, but in the cities that we're talking about that are these top 10 robust Sunbelt level cities, is it really that bad multifamily as a whole on average? So New York city at this time last year had about 5,000 vacant apartments. The last thing I read is that they have 35,000 vacant apartments. That's a problem.
1: That's a problem. Collecting
0: 92% of your rents is performa as vacancy loss right i mean so so multifamily has been the flight to security and i believe it's going to continue to be a flight to security and people are more cost conscious right now right and the amenity that typically was the knock on vintage multifamily of saying oh you don't have a gym you don't have an elevator whatever has actually become a plus because vintage two-story or garden-style apartments that look, you know, kind of just to put that in perspective, visualize like what the old motels look like, right? The, yeah. you know, the two-story walk-up or three-story walk-up has inherent social distancing. And, yes. and people are inherent social distancing. So people see that and say, oh, if these are renovated down to the studs and it's nice on the inside and I can pay 30% less than the class A across the street, I'm actually not using the gym or I'm not going to the pool. So it's actually become a positive.
1: Yeah. So do you think, so like apartments that are, let's say five miles out of downtown, right? Those are those two stories, just like you're talking about compared to downtown Austin or downtown, the cities, wherever, as you get out there, will prices, do you think prices will go up for apartments that are five miles out and down for stuff in the city or or do you think it's all going to go up? Look, prices are going to surge on that type of market for a while
0: because of the emotional trauma. Okay. People want to be out there for that reason because it gives them a little sense of security. Okay. Yeah.
2: I like there it. Will, so the
0: go ahead. There will always be a certain amount of people that like urban living. Okay. And in markets like Austin or Nashville, as an example, or Raleigh, where your urban core is actually pretty limited. Okay. Because Austin has geographic barriers. Right. You go too far west, you hit the hill country, and you can't build there. I mean, east, you can go the other way. Right. That's where the development is headed. You know, but there is always going to be a market of people that want to be in that. So whatever blip that we're seeing on the multifamily urban core side in sunbelt cities, you know, the major sunbelt cities that are anchored mostly with tech or have diversified economies, this is a blip on if you're looking at a five, seven year, 10 year on the 10 year performa, this is literally negligible what we're talking
1: about yeah i like that i like that comparison of a core right a city core with geographic limitations meaning it doesn't go on forever because in san Supply francisco demand. it goes on forever right? by the way, it, by
0: the way, that's that's the issue why austin has done so well is that and this is what i love about austin so you have a a strong liberal core right fair to say mm-hmm. but the perimeter is highly conservative yep what that's done is create a beautiful dialogue so we have beautiful trees, we're doing, like, right? Like there's very strict zoning laws, great. All of, these are the things that make real estate surge. You have geographical yeah. barriers, you have actual supply and demand. We know what can be built. It's like, right, and this is why Manhattan, you know, really went through the roof, is it's a freaking island. Yeah. It's an island. Like there's there's only so much can be done, right? And when you couple that with one of the, you know, more parks than any top 10 city, in the country and with beautiful water, great live music, and good food. Yeah. And by the way, in fair weather climate, you know, and no state income taxes, it doesn't, it starts to become pretty obvious why
1: this city is the future effectively. Yeah. So, I mean, so you're, you're making a lot of bets right now. And and maybe it's not fair to say bets. you have a lot of your, you know, you're doing the, the long game in Kyle. You know, you've got the the garden style apartments out there. What do you think in the the first year of the election, depending on, and maybe it's a different answer for either, what's the biggest opportunity in 2021? If someone was going to say, hey, whether it's as an agent or whether it is as an investor or really trying to create this generation. I would
0: would ask slightly, I would look at it. I'd have to clarify. It depends on what the goal is, okay? And I'm not a copping out of the question, okay? It depends on what we're looking for. Is it a net worth play? is it a, what's your timeline, okay? Because if your timeline is to go do something and go to distress and you have 10 years, I'm just using an example. I mean, hospitality is is like destroyed right now. So if you could buy a boutique hotel in a great area for a ridiculously low price, but you have 10 years, people are gonna come back to that hotel. Yeah. Right? If you're, you know, just starting out, right. And you're trying to like, you know, buy your first rental property and start to build your portfolio. I'd be exactly where you are. Colleen. you know, little cities outside of great cities, like sprawled Metroplex of Phoenix is a great example. I mean, there's so many little pockets around there. Forget about Scottsdale and the more kind of expensive areas, but out there, right. You can do that exactly what you all are doing. You can go buy a single family home, finance the thing for 2%, right. Yeah, rent it and wait, right? So it it depends on where, like, where, what part of the market that you're kind of of looking at. For us, I think the biggest opportunity is vintage multifamily, 50 to 100 doors, 30 year old plus product near the urban core, but outside the urban core, close to new development that we can do class A finish outs. I mean, I'm talking about gut renovation down to the studs, new electrical, new plumbing, new roofing, effectively creating an annuity okay? Increasing rent and then putting into agency financing. Financing with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and waiting. Because right now to lock in, we a, we a, this is gonna is almost unbelievable. Fannie Mae quoted us 2.4% on a 15-year term with 10 years interest only, non-recourse.
1: Yeah. And how big was that property? That property was
0: $15 million. No, $18, 18 million in purchase price. It is it is crazy. To even I mean yes, that's no. that's 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 literally free money on an inflationary basis.
1: It is yeah, or, or yeah, more. It's like they're paying you to take the money if you're considering inflation when the rates are that low. The so every apart. So you're buying thirty year old apartment complexes, and even though they're rented and they're performing at a cap, you are adding value on all those. Do you, you, do that, you move out people model. one building at a time, and you and you gut it, or or do no, you move no, out actually, everybody.
0: No, actually, no 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 absolutely not. So we, we go with organic rent growth so we don't kick people out of buildings and by the way it's it, not only is it not best practices in my opinion, I don't think it's good business because why get rid of your current cash flows so even so so and we want to test our thesis. so if you have you know 50 unit building right five units are organically maturing right? organically expiring. you take those five units right you renovate them. And first of all, you have to see if your thesis is right. So I put in these countertops, this flooring, this finish out, what if they don't lease? So I'm gonna, you vacate the whole building and just say, oh, I'm right. I'm gonna, this is what the market wants. What if I'm wrong? But if you do it on five units and you maintain 95% occupancy, you can pivot on the next ones and put a different countertop in or less amenity or more, right? And, And it's all about mitigating risk. So in this environment, the most important thing is how you run sensitivity analyses. And that's basically a fancy way of saying if stuff goes wrong, what are you gonna do? And you need to be more stringent on budget, more you know, cost effect, you know, running your expenses. You have to watch the pennies in this market.
1: Cause if you don't, small leaks sink big ships. Yeah. The I think that is that is great advice on a strategy out there that even people, you know even people kind of on their second or you know people that have five, six, you know, a lot of people talk about they're in single family. They want to get into multifamily and, and how do you do it? Because there's so many people that are presenting these value add performance. They're like, Hey, we're going to buy this. We're going to do this much value add. And you're saying, Hey, let's, it's just your, your thing in like the long game, right? Like there's no rush. Let's do it, do it as we can figure out the best it's thing. After lower we do 20 risk. or 30 units, we'll figure it out.
0: If you're an investor, you should take that word out of your lexicon, throw it in the garbage and call yourself a risk manager. Yeah. That's the, the difference between a gambler and an investor is risk management. My job is to look at every scenario statistically that I can look at or stress testing, as they say, the fancy way to say it, right? My performa and manage risk, especially if you have third-party capital, especially if you have other other people's money, even more so, because then at that point, you're, you know, you're responsible, you're, whether you're a fiduciary, you know, but you have to, you know manage those things and take as little risk as possible to make whatever money you're gonna make. So well, we can make this much money, but how much risk are you taking? That's always like, it's, we call it risk adjusted returns or not. We, but that, you know, industry jargon, right? Risk adjusted returns. I could take, if I can take this much risk to make this much money, that's the asymmetrical risk that I'm looking for. And that can be applied to a single family home. If you're buying for a hundred thousand dollars, don't go gut the whole thing, change the roof, do all this stuff and go spend every dollar on the, whatever. Hey, try to get a tenant for 6 months or a year. Get a little money coming in the bank. Ask them what they want. Change your cabinets. You'll see if that gets you an extra 50 bucks, right? And and taking it slow and playing that long ball game, back to that thing is what I believe will ultimately achieve greater results over time. We live in this instant gratification, you know, quick fix dopamine hit, you know, environment that has to happen now now now. Blah, 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 blah. But but that's not how investing is done in the long term in a risk mitigated
1: environment, in my opinion. Yeah. I like that idea. Throw out the word investor. You're now a risk manager. And the more risk you manage, the higher, the more you get paid for it, right? Like the the more risk that someone is able to manage, the the higher they get paid for it. So the, Ari, your video went out, but I, I, I think you're still there. Can I still hear you? My video go out? Yeah. I'd say, oh, and you're back. So the... Uh, it, it's, we're just talking about Zoom, the uh, you know, and, and all those different technologies out there. That has been one of the coolest things, I think, for you know, technology innovation is how many people do know how to get on on now. And, Isn't that cool? And clicking and see that. I'll do five podcast interviews today. I'll be able to you know, and and as I hit my journey back, we're jumping back in the RV next week, heading back to Austin. I can't wait to hit kind of some of our best weather. Well, look, year. I'll tell you what. When you get back to Austin, shoot me an email.
0: Let's grab dinner. Let's get together, come by the office. I'll show you some of the stuff that we're doing. I'd love to see the stuff you guys are doing as well. We love the show. We love what you guys are doing. So
1: so keep it up. And you know, we're, we're we're big fans of what you're doing. That is awesome. Ari, Ari Rastegar, thank you for coming on here today. If, if our listeners want more information, they want to hear more of what you're saying. Is there anywhere they can go find some other yeah, stuff that you're doing? I mean, honestly, you know, just
0: Googling my name, if you just type in Ari Rastegar into Google or go Rastegar property into Google, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff out there. We've been in Forbes and the journal. It's very public what we've done, you know, and, and what we do and what we stand for and what we believe in. And so it's pr- pretty easy to look us up and see what we do. And, um, yeah, yeah we'd love to. We love to come back if it, if it make if it makes sense, and we love to you know to listen in and see more of what you guys are doing. Yeah,
1: I think for sure in a few months we'll have to get you back on as, as you and I are then going to be talking about our. Let's first- see what happens. Let's see if we are right. Let's right? see what happens. Let's see what's going on. Let's see who gets elected and what's next. Ari, thanks for joining me today, and real estate rock stars, thank you for listening. Much love to you guys.
2: Have a great day and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you.